Good morning. Good to see everybody. You ever feel like at Christmas time you just can't catch up with it? You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, if I just put my arms around it, slow it down, I want to I wanna get, you know, more out of it. How about this? Turn to the person sitting beside you. Tell them, what is your favorite Christmas movie? All right? Tell them your favorite Christmas movie. Okay, how many of you, it is A Wonderful Life? An old school. How about Miracle on 34th Street? How about Home Alone? That's an old school movie nowadays. How about Elf? Elf, what about A Christmas Story? <laughs> it's all the weird people that are here, all right? Uh, what about Deck the Halls? Anybody like that one? That's like my favorite one. That's with uh, Louis de Palmer. All right. What's his name? I always forget. From Taxi. What's that guy's name? Danny DeVito. Thank you. Danny DeVito. How about Jingle All the Way? You guys like that one? All right. How many of you have watched the Lifetime Hallmark movies? Yeah. Steph and I were watching one the other night where... This lady, of course, she was in love with her fiancé, and they were going to visit his parents, but something came up. He had to work, so she got on the plane, and she ended up at the wrong house. She thought she was at his parents' house, but she was actually at somebody else's house who had the same name, and she fell in love with who... It, it just... A, a miracle, a Christmas miracle, all right? That's exactly what it is. We uh, always try to start Christmas a little early here at Potential Church because it is an opportunity. It goes by so fast, but it's an opportunity to help people. And uh, every year in different ways, often even different groups of people, do we try to reach out and really love. Because that's what Christmas is about. Jesus came, he gave, for God so loved the world, he gave, and he asked us to do the same thing. Uh, one of the places, of course, is Puerto Rico, Cuba, the Key West this year because of the hurricanes and, and just the devastation. And we had a team that just returned from Puerto Rico, and I wanted you um, to get to hear a little bit of what they experienced. So let's watch this. and I are, are Puerto Ricans, um, so we grew up in that whole culture. So when you go when we go to Puerto Rico, it's 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 super super familiar. It's li literally like like going home. But I noticed over the last three years, and I, I I can't explain it, but every time I'm about to leave, there's just this hurtful feeling in my heart, and I cannot put words around it. it just it just hurts, like I'm leaving you know, my mom and dad or something like that. So when we went this time to scope out the island and see what the thing's about, I was, uh, I was a little nervous because I said, well, shoot, if I feel that way when I'm on vacation and I'm leaving, how am I gonna feel with what I'm about to see? And, and sure enough, it was, it was very, um, um, it was heavy. It was the only, you know, many words come to mind, many feelings, sadness, depression. Um, uh, but it was heavy, really, really, really heavy. Tonight, Maria's direct hit, devastating Puerto Rico. The first Category 4 storm to strike Puerto Rico in 85 years, slamming ashore around sunrise. We are back here on the northern side the southeast corner of this island. Obviously, the eye getting closer and closer to us, that eye wall now scraping. When this Puerto Rico trip came up, it really clicked for me, like, wow, this is it. This is a trip that God intends for me to go on, um, just because I was born and raised there. So the chance to go back 
and be able to give to the island and the people, it's, it's very personal to me, it's, it's a blessing. we worked through there, we were introduced to a, a pastor, Pastor Jorge Santiago. Now, Jorge and his family, he has a, two, two children, moved to Puerto Rico in July with the plans of starting a church. So he's a church planter. He wants to start a church, um, and we are looking to partner with him, in fact, in the city there, in, in Comerillo, and uh, start bringing hope and relief. So one of the cool things that, that Pastor Jorge did, which is why I love partnering with him, he recognized that amongst the many needs that the city folks had, or the town folks in, in Cormadillo, was washing clothes. There's no place to, to wash your clothes. And he was able to gather resources through contribution and stuff, pull together a couple of washing machines. Again, through donations, he was able to pull together a generator that was meant for him and his family. He said, you know what, let me take that and help the community. A little thing like that just had a major impact on the town. And like Pastor Troy has said from the stage many a time, we will never know this side of heaven the impact uh, and how many people we have um, positively helped along the way until we get to heaven. Um, and, and that's just gonna be a, a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. So it's pretty cool to, to see the impact that we're having. And as uh, Tyler already mentioned, bring your toys, several ways you can do that. Just bring them into the lobby. Of course, you can go online or you can go to our app and you can purchase uh, toys to, to take to Cuba, Puerto Rico, or even the Keys that way. We have vouchers. We want to make it as easy as possible. Plus, it would, so the folks in Puerto Rico would love to have some generators. And they're expensive, but if you'd like to help with that, and we can ship some things to Puerto Rico, but it, um, if you purchase that online, it allows us to actually purchase it there in Puerto Rico, which uh, helps them out in several ways. So anyways, it's really, really exciting to see the impact that we're going to be able to have. We're going to be going. would love for you to go on one of the trips, especially as they put the dates up behind me. The dates are coming. There they are. Now, the one I want to point out is Cuba, December the 13th through the 17th, and here's why. We've been working, as you know, for months to get a container to Cuba. We're still struggling with the ability to do that. So the way in which we'll be able to get the items into Cuba is for us to take them. So the more people that go to Cuba, the more items we're going to be able to take. And so what a great way maybe for you and a buddy or a friend or a family to celebrate Christmas than to actually help folks on the island of Cuba. So if you've been thinking about it, now is the time to sign up so that we've got plenty of folks to carry uh, several uh, suitcases to get through customs so that we can help the folks there on the island. In Puerto Rico, we'll take items, but we'll also be able to ship items. And of course, the keys will be very easy for us to do. But uh, excited about that. A lot of things always going on. We'll be taking some of our teddy bears down as well. Be taking that, your Christmas cards that you saw. Where does it here in your program, as Tyler mentioned? So be sure and fill that out. And then the other thing is just greatest gift. Um, every year we challenge folks to give their greatest gift to give their their greatest gift to Christ, and uh, uh, as opposed to you know all the other places, nothing wrong with those folks. It's just that every, greatest gift is one of those things that we spend the month of December trying to share with you all the different things that are possible because of that. Last week we shared with you the story of uh, a young man and the impact that our Pensacola campus has had on him and his family. That would have never happened without Greatest Gift. There were like 30 folks uh, attending there and uh, they weren't young families. And you've changed that. And the reason you have is because of your generosity. I'm proud to be a part of a place that reaches out beyond itself you know, it's easy to maybe build a building or to buy some new something. But for people that you don't know in places you may never go, that's quite challenging. And so uh, thank you for doing that. And, and I was thinking, 
this week I was thinking about how we've helped when there's been the tornadoes in the different parts of the country. If you've been here long enough, you know we've remodeled homes. We've given out automobiles to people who needed them here. Every year we feed um, thousands, literally thousands of people. But I was also thinking about um, the places uh, we have gone. Oh, and I don't know if you saw on the video last week, this year with the turkeys, one of the things we were able to do is help a local Haitian community and uh, be able to experience Thanksgiving. And we gave them like 250 turkeys for them to be able to experience uh, Thanksgiving. So, so thank you for making that possible. But I was thinking about internationally as well. Of course, there's Puerto Rico, there's Cuba, there's the Peru, there's the Bahamas. But you may not know, we've also gone on mission trips to El Salvador. Um, we've been to Haiti, uh, Indonesia. We took over $25,000 Several years ago when the big tsunami hit on the 26th of December, um, we were able to do that. Of course, we've been able to help with hospitals in Iraq and Syria. We've been in Germany. We've been in Egypt, in parts of Africa, in China. Um, we've also seen uh, tens of people baptized there because of a group that we had there on missions. Uh, and again, I'm proud to be a part of that. I don't know all of the impact of that, but I know it's a lot easier to stay here than it is to go somewhere else, especially someplace um, that's dangerous. So it's excited to be a part of what God's doing, and greatest gift is what makes that possible, right? All of those things always take um, resources. All right, if you pull out that outline that you got when you came in, I was thinking, you know, when we kicked the series off about Route 66, and it's like 2,500 miles. It goes from Chicago to L.A. And even before Route 66, when we think about the West, we think about the West as a place that you go to find yourself. It's a place you go looking for meaning or hope or direction. And in the 1930s and the 1940s in the Midwest, all that farmland, evidently they tell us it wasn't farmed exactly right. And so uh, they had a, a drought, and the drought, of course, dried the dirt. And they'd get these things where they're like dirt storms or dust storms. And the dust would so get in the air that it would suffocate the animals and made it just impossible to, to grow anything. And so all those people were losing their farms. They didn't have any hope. And they would go down Route 66 to California looking for a job looking for some kind of hope, looking for some kind of, of direction or meaning. And I thought, you know what, there are probably folks uh, that are here today that in some way are doing the same thing. You're looking out there for some sense of maybe purpose, meaning, maybe happiness. It's like happiness or joy, it's out there because it's surely not here. If it were here, I'd be experiencing the, the joy or the success or the, the breakthrough. So it must, it must be out there. I remember when I was a kid, every year about this time, we would get something in the mail that was awesome. Now, for your, those of you who are millennials, this is before the internet, okay? And what we got in the mail, we actually received, you're not going to believe this, from Sears. Again, millennials, there used to be a company that had stores named Sears, okay? And it was the Wish Book. Does anybody remember the Wish book? Sears would send out this catalog, and it was page after page of toys and, and games and electronics. And I got two brothers, and we would sit on the couch. Every day we'd run home from school, we'd get that book, and we'd just look at it. We'd say, okay, if you could have anything you wanted on this page, what would it be? And we'd point, and we'd go over again and again and again. And it's kind of like if we could have that, then we would be happy. Now, today, we maybe not use catalogs. We kind of do it online, don't we? Cyber Monday. You ever find yourself just kind of look shopping online even though you're not going to buy anything? Just thinking to yourself, oh, my goodness, if I could get that, whoo, I'd be happy. Right? If I could have him or her, I'd be happy, you know? How about this? Do you ever put something in your shopping cart even though you're not going to buy it just to see what it feels like? Uh, thinking maybe somebody's watching online and they think you can really afford that, you know? 
I mean, it's like if out there is where happiness is. But here's what I wrote in, in my journal. Truth, the truth is, is that everything we're looking for out there, Jesus came to give us that first Christmas. In other words, what we're looking for, that meaning, that purpose, that success, that sense of hope, that's what Christmas is really all about. And I think we can get so rushed, we, we miss it. I mean, we see the slogans, Jesus is the reason for the season, but what does that mean? He's the gift, you know, and, and we know, but what, what, what is it that he gives? What did he do? Well, I want us to look at his Christmas sermon, okay? In Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus' Christmas uh, teaching or the, the Christmas Eve service, you might say. It says, Jesus stands up in the synagogue in the church and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's reading from Isaiah. He has anointed me to be hope for the poor. Now that's good news. Hope for the poor. Those of us who find ourselves, whether it's emotionally or financially or relationally, Jesus says, I'm hope. Freedom for the brokenhearted. New eyes for the blind. And to preach to prisoners, you are set free. You are free to experience hope. You are free to experience breakthrough. You're free to experience success. But the problem is, is even this Christmas, 2018, many of us are actually enslaved. And I thought, you know what, what better way to actually represent that than for us to kind of chain ourselves or lock ourselves up. So I've got a padlock and a chain. And then I've got some official police handcuffs, all right? And I'm going to put one end here. And I'm going to put one end here, let's see, how'd they do that last week? Just kidding. <laughs> While Christmas is about being free, a lot of us are handcuffed. And what we're handcuffed to is poverty. We're handcuffed to maybe addiction, depression, discouragement, defeat. And, and that's why we believe joy, it's out there. But Jesus said, we read it a moment ago, his Christmas teaching was what? I've come to set you free. Free so that you can experience all of those things. Well, let's look and see. How did they respond to his Christmas teaching? In verse 20, same chapter, we're just going to read the next verse. After he read this, he rolled up the scroll, because he was reading from Isaiah, handed it back to the minister, and sat down. Everyone stared at Jesus, wondering what he was about to say. How was he going to finish his teaching? Then he added, these scriptures came true today in front of you. In other words, that freedom is for you. It's not just out there somewhere. It's for you. Christmas is about you being free. That's what he told them, just as his word tells us today. Look in verse 22. Everyone was impressed by how well Jesus spoke. In awe by the beautiful words, words of grace that came from his lip. It sounds good. Wow, Jesus, that's incredible. But, that's the next word, but. And it is a big, big but. But, here's what they're saying. You know what? You know what? They're saying the same thing you and I say. When I talk about you can be free to experience success and joy and financial breakthrough and happiness and peace, you're like, oh, those are beautiful words. But these are real handcuffs, Troy. I'm really in debt. My spouse really did walk out. <laughs> these are like professional handcuffs. That's what they say. But they were surprised at the presumption to speak as a prophet. So they said among themselves, who's he think he is? That's old Joe's boy. That's Joseph's son. He grew up right here in Nazareth. Right? You hear what they're saying? Oh, it sounds good, right? You've grown up in church. You've heard all about Christmas. <laughs> but these are real. These are real, Troy. 
know a lot of people that go to church that are wearing around handcuffs, enslaved to depression and discouragement, poverty. Jesus says in verse 23, I suppose you'll quote me the proverb, doctor, go heal yourself before you try to heal others. And you'll say, work the miracles here in your hometown that we heard you did in Capernaum. But, Jesus said, let me tell you, there's no prophet that is welcome or honored in his hometown. Now, before Jesus came to Nazareth, he was in Capernaum. And in Capernaum, one of the things that he did is all these miracles. The blind could see, the sick were healed, the dead were brought back to life. And then Jesus comes and he says, here's my Christmas message to you. You're free. You don't have to live handcuffed to poverty or to uh, depression, discouragement, anxiety, fear, worry. And they are, oh, those are beautiful words. But you're just Joe's boy. Right? Isn't that what some of you think? I mean, it's not like you've not heard these words before, and they're pretty words. Words of peace and joy, words of breakthrough and success, words of a future. I mean, they're pretty words, but you're not all excited. Why? Because you've got a chain you're carrying around. And you've heard other preachers. You've read the Bible. Beautiful words. But real handcuffs. Look at, look at, look at how Jesus responds in verse 25. He says, is it because he just keeps going? He says, Isn't it true that where uh, that there were many widows in the land of Israel during the days of the prophet Elijah, when he locked up the heavens for three and a half years and brought a devastating famine all over the land? But he wasn't sent to any of the widows living in the region. In other words, he wasn't sent to any Jewish widows. Instead, he was sent to a foreign place to a widow in Zarephath. All right. Think about what's going on here. Jesus says, I have come. My Christmas message is I have come to set you free. Free from those things that you have found yourself enslaved to. And they're like, oh, yeah, those are beautiful, beautiful words. But I've got these handcuffs. And I'd love to believe them, but I, I keep feeling the weight of my poverty, my pain, of my depression, of my discouragement. And after all, Jesus, there are a whole lot of people that aren't free. And Jesus tells these two stories. The first one he tells is about this widow. And if you haven't heard the story, you can read it in the Old Testament. But basically what happened is the prophet Elijah, there was this famine. So it hadn't uh, rained and people were starving to death. They were hungry. And, and Elijah walks up to a widow, her and her, her, her kid, and he says... We, you got anything to eat? And she looks at the man of God and she says, well, I've got just enough oil and grain. I was going to make me and my boy a biscuit, our last meal, literally. And then we were just going to lay down and die. I'd love to, Elijah, but I, I, I've only got enough for me and my boy. One last meal and then we're going to die. And you know what Elijah says? Read it. You know what he says? <laughs> well, here, let me tell you what to do. Fix mine first. Now, can you imagine what Twitter would have done with that? Man of God asked for his biscuit first. Right? He says, fix mine first. And if you do, you'll never go hungry. You'll never run out of flour. You'll never run out of oil. And amazingly, she, she does it. And if you read the story, she never went hungry, her or her boy. They had all that they needed to eat. And now Jesus is, is giving this as an illustration. And he's basically saying, you want to know why I didn't feed all of them? Why Elijah didn't go to all of them? Why some died hungry? Because they didn't believe. What's the difference between this widow and all the other widows? She believed. She gave Elijah the first meal. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, I know you find it hard to believe that you're free. But you are. And let me give you some proof. And the proof that he gives us is reminding us of how difficult it is actually to believe you don't have to wear these handcuffs around. 
And then he gives the story of Naaman, verse 27, or have you not considered the prophet Elisha? So you had Elijah, now Elisha healed only Naaman, the Syrian, rather than one of the many Jewish lepers living in the land. So Jesus is, again, reminding us he's no respecter of persons. If, if you don't know Naaman's story, Naaman was a Gentile. And Naaman was a military leader. He was strong, successful. He only had one problem. He had leprosy. And so one of the ladies who worked in his, I guess, palace, house, or whatever, told him, said, you ought to go to Jerusalem. I'm sure you would find healing. So Naaman jumps on his horse. All, the, you know, all his people come with him. And he comes riding into Jerusalem. He goes to the palace. He asks the king. He asks the king to heal him. And the king's like, well, who do you think I am? I'm not God. I can't heal you. I can't do anything about your leprosy. But Elisha hears and tells the king, send Naaman to me. And so the king tells Naaman, says, you're going to have to go see the man of God. You're going to have to go see the prophet. So he and all his boys jump on their horses, and they come to the prophet's house. They knock on the door, but his servant comes to the door. Now, you can imagine Naaman, this big, strong military man, says, uh, I'm sorry, but I'm here to see the prophet. And the servant says, oh, I know. Elisha told me to tell you. No, no, you don't understand. I need to talk to Elisha. No, you're not going to talk to Elisha. He told me to tell you, you need to go to the Jordan River, which was a little dirty river, and you need to dunk yourself seven times. And if you do, your leprosy will be gone. And if you read the story, you know how Naaman responded to that? That's stupid. That, that, what, what do you mean, go to the Jordan? That would be so humiliating. I am not about, he won't even come to the door. I thought he'd come out and wave his hands. I thought he'd do something magical. I thought he'd do something really, really, I'm not going to the Jordan River. That, that's just stupid. And one of his servants comes up to him and he says, Naaman, if he would have asked you to do something difficult, you would have done it. And Naaman goes, and he dunks himself in the Jordan River seven times, and his leprosy is gone. And why is Jesus using this as an, uh, uh, an illustration? What is he saying? He's saying, well, why was Naaman healed of leprosy and others weren't? See, they were asking the same question you ask. Why does God bless this one and not that one? Why do we see this over here and not over there? And Jesus says, what does he say is the reason? Because Naaman believed, and the others didn't. Naaman humbled himself, did what others thought stupid, and as a result, experienced healing. Now, what I want to do is I want to remind you of the gifts, and this way I put it in your outline, the Christmas you are free to experience. The gifts this Christmas you are free. You are free. These are yours if you'll receive them. Let me show you. Here's the first one. Increase. Increase. How many of you are up for a little increase? Now, that's pitiful. Right? Now, why was that pitiful? Why did most of you not even raise your hand? You know why? Because you don't believe me. Right? You don't believe. You thought, if you really thought I was talking about the opportunity for you to experience increased love in your relationships, finances in your life, would you have responded the way you did? You know, we don't believe it, do we? We're just like the folks in Luke 4. That's just Joe's boy. I've heard those scriptures before. But look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 10. It says, then your barns will be full and your vats will overflow with fresh wine. Now, this was an, a farming community, farming culture. And if you've got a farm and your barns are full, you know what that means? You've experienced increase. It's been a good year. You are financially blessed. Wine is a picture of joy or success. And it says your vats are overflowing. You, you've got more joy, more success, more breakthrough than you know what to do with. And Christmas is saying, you're free to experience that. You're free to experience increase instead of being handcuffed to scarcity. And that's where most of us find ourselves, increase. 
I'm handcuffed to scarcity. I don't even have enough to pay my bills. What are you talking about? Increase. Let's look at the second one. Happiness. We're free to experience happiness this Christmas. Psalm 118 says this is the day that the Lord has made. So this day is every day. In other words, the Lord's made every day. So we can rejoice and be glad. In other words, we can be happy every day. Christmas says you're free. You are free. I am free to experience this kind of joy and happiness every day. Instead of being handcuffed to worry and stress and anxiety. Pretty cool. Number three, there's another good one, abundance. You are free to experience this Christmas abundance. Look at the gospel, Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Abundant. What does abundant mean? More than enough. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Abundant gifts will pour out on you. And I thought, you know, what great way to illustrate that than with a Coke. Right? Because often we're careful when we pour a Coke, but the truth is, is that if you pour too much, what happens? It Hmm. Now that's not good if it's a Coke. But what does the scripture say? The scripture says that you and I are free. Let me take another drink. We are free to experience that kind of abundance in our lives. You say, but Troy, I'm handcuffed to just getting by. Don't you hate that? Just getting by. It seems like you're always on the edge of not having enough. I mean, if you have a flat tire, uh, you're going to have a hard time paying your bills. If the kids get sick, there's not going to be any Christmas this year. In other words, you're not living a life of abundance. You're, you're handcuffed to scarcity. Just getting by. Just enough to somehow make it through. The fourth one, blessing. <clears throat> The prophet Malachi says, see if I won't open the windows of heaven for you and flood you. Have you ever been in a flood? I grew up in the small town of Paragold, Arkansas. And every so often, the eight-mile creek would overflow its banks. And when it did, it would flood the whole city. And water would be where water wasn't supposed to be. It would be in unexpected places. And look what the scripture says. See if I won't open the windows of heaven for you and flood you. With blessings. In other words, you'll find blessings in places you don't expect them. Wouldn't that be awesome? Right? We're we're used to being handcuffed to fear and anxiety. We're used to finding pain in unexpected places. We're, We're used to finding debt in unexpected places. But this scripture says that we'll be flooded by blessings. This Christmas... According to Scripture, you and I are free to experience increase, happiness, abundance, blessings. But it's not all about you. We're also free to experience the ability to help the hurting. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, He, God, supplies every need plus more. Plus more so you can help. You will be abundantly enriched in every way. And those in need, as a result of you being blessed... Plus more, those in need will give thanks to God. That you will be free to experience or to help the hurting as opposed to being handcuffed to that feeling of powerlessness. You ever feel like that? You see something on television and you'd like to do something about it, but you're powerless to do anything. You hope somebody else does. Maybe even watch a story up on the screen and you'd love to have been a part of it, but you just feel helpless. I mean, you, you're just handcuffed to too much financial difficulty or you're handcuffed to a lost job or you're handcuffed to a difficult situation. It's not that you don't want to help. It's just that you're powerless to do so. Now, Jesus gives us this Christmas sermon. says, I, you are free. And then he restates it because I think he knew we would struggle to walk in that freedom. So Paul who's going to do a lot of good for for Jesus, start churches, preach the gospel, write a lot of the Bible. He didn't start out that way. He persecuted the church. 
And so in Acts 26, Jesus shows up and knocks him off his horse. And Jesus says, and you, Paul, will open their eyes to their true condition. What's he saying? Paul, you will open their eyes to what? They don't have to be handcuffed. You don't have to live your life handcuffed to uh, depression, discouragement, anxiety, fear, worry, poverty. He says, Paul, I'm knocking you off your horse and I'm getting your attention because they've forgotten my Christmas message. And they're living life enslaved to things that I came to set them free from. So that they may turn from darkness, they may turn from enslavement to freedom, to the light. And from the power of Satan to the power of God. By placing their faith or their belief in me, they will receive total forgiveness of sins. And be made holy, taking hold of, what's the next word? The inheritance. What is that inheritance that you have? Increase, happiness, abundance, blessings, and the ability to help people. He says, Paul, I want you to go and I want you to remind them that they are free. That there was a Christmas. And that that Christmas has set them free. Now, here's the question. And this is the question that I often ponder. Well, then why are so many of us handcuffed? Why are so many of us walking around with chained to fear or anxiety? Handcuffed to stress or financial challenge? This is, this is what I wrote. In my, in my journal or my notes. Freedom's key is trusting or believing in God's provision. That's going to be the key. God's provision, therefore, in our ability to, to choose obedience. See, isn't that what Jesus, remember the two illustrations. The, the first illustration was the widow. The widow didn't have. And what did Jesus ask of the widow? He asked the widow to give what she did have so that he could provide what she didn't have. Wasn't that what he asked? I will provide all the food you need during this famine, but you must give what you do have. In other words, you've got to trust in my ability to provide. And he said that no, the other widows didn't experience that. Why? Because they were unwilling to walk in that freedom. She, she was free to choose. The same thing with Naaman. Naaman, I want you to go into the water, do what you can do, be obedient, and if you do what you can do, I'll do what you can't do. Now, our tendency is to want, well, is to want God to act first, right? And I love the fact that we are free. That's what I want you to embrace. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul, and he's, he's talking about this whole idea of, of living generously. And he says, let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up, and there's the word, freely from the joy of giving. Why? All because God loves hilarious generosity. He says, I, I, this is not... This is not about you being <clears throat> enslaved to the law. This is about you having a choice. Christmas is a message of freedom, but you and I have a choice of whether or not we will live free. He says in the next verse, yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything. So what, what, again, remember what I said? God, freedom is about our willingness to believe in his provision. That's the key. Do you trust in his ability to provide? Every moment in every way. That's what it says. You have more than enough of everything every moment in every way. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. So, again, let's go back and look at these. And I think we can discover why it is, like the widow and like Naaman, there are only a few who will live in this freedom. The first one was increase. Remember what it said? Then your barns will be full and your vats will overflow with fresh wine. But let's look at the sentence before it. Honor the Lord with your wealth 
and with the first and best part of your income. Then your barns will be full and your vats will overflow with fresh wine. God says, here's what I want to do. I, I want to give you increase. But you have to, you, you have to give me your first and your best. And what do we say? What do, what do we say? We're just like the folks in Luke 4. We say, well, God, I'd love to, but I can't. I, I, I can't. I am handcuffed to financial bills. I am handcuffed to kids in college. I am handcuffed to a new job. I am handcuffed. God, I would love to do what your word says, but I am, I am handcuffed. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that God will provide the provision if we will walk in the freedom if we will trust that he will provide. But what, what's the challenge? It's like, it's like the widow, once she cooked the biscuits and she gives it to the man of God, once he eats it, they can't, can they? And isn't that your fear? I mean, isn't your fear, isn't the reason you're handcuffed, at least according to the scripture? Now, I, I don't, you, you have to decide whether or not you believe it or not, right? That's your journey, and, and I want to help and all that I can, but you have to journey about whether or not you believe it. But at least according to the scripture, the freedom that God says is that I will provide if you will walk in that. Our fear is, is that once it's eaten, <laughs> I won't be able to. If Elijah was lying, those, the mom and the kid would have starved to death. But the only way to discover whether or not Elijah was lying was to give him the biscuit. You know, isn't it sad? And I don't say this with judgment. I was just thinking about this the other day. But there are many of us, and it's so easy to be here, that have more confidence in the lottery than we do in his word being true. Right? I mean, you, you, buy, you buy the lottery tickets in hopes that somehow you'll have financial breakthrough, and yet God has said... Walk in freedom. Your barns will be filled and your vats will be overflowing. And we're kind of like, oh, that's old Joe's boy. There he goes again. That's just church. That's just the scripture. And so we don't, we don't experience it. And we look at those who do and we wonder why. Let's talk about happiness. Scripture says in Psalm 118, this is the day that the Lord has made. We'll be rejoicing and glad in it. So we have this ability to have joy or happiness each day. Well, the wisdom writer says in Proverbs 5, or Ecclesiastes 5, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think, and here's the part I want you to see, wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? In other words, again, God says you are free to have joy each and every day. And you and I are like, God, I can't be. I'm handcuffed to if I just had, and you fill in the blank. If I just had a relationship, then I would be free to be happy. If I just had a new job, if I just made a certain amount of money, if I just lived in a certain neighborhood, if I, whatever that blank is. In other words, see, in reality, you want to be enslaved. Because that takes no courage. You've always got a reason why you can't do what God has asked you to do. You're enslaved. Even though God says, no, you're not. You're free. I came. I paid the price for that freedom. Let's look at the next one. Abundance. This is an awesome one, right? Abundance. Remember, we read it. Abundance gives uh, gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. And Remember the coke and the fizz running over? Well, let's look at the sentence before. Give generously, and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour up, uh, out upon you with such overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. Right? God says, I want you to make a difference. 
I want you to help. I want you to be a part. I, I, I want you to get, and, and what do we say, right? We're good people. God, I'd love to. If I had what they had, I would. But, but God, I'm handcuffed. You know. You know my struggle. You know my kids are in school. You know the, the, the health bills that I've got. God, you, you know my heart. You know I would love to. And what God is doing in his word, whether you receive it or not, is up to you. But what he's doing in your word is he's calling us out. He's calling us out. He's saying, you know what? He's, he's saying, I came to set you free. You are free. You just have to trust in my provision. Trust that I will do what I said I would do when I put it in my word. What about blessing? Remember what we read? See if I won't open up the windows of heaven for you and flood you with blessings. We look at the sentence before. Bring one-tenth of your income into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. So God says, I want you to return to me a tenth of everything that I've given you. I want you to bring it to the, to the local storehouse so that there are the resources in which to do what needs to be done. And God knew that we would doubt. I, I want you to see his love here. He knew that it would be hard for us to walk in this freedom. And so he, he says, I'm going to let you doubt. Not only am I going to let, I'm going to embrace your doubt. Because what does he say in the very next sentence? Test me. And you don't test something you don't doubt, you're not doubting. This all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere at one time God loves me so much that he accepts my doubt. He says, test me, Troy. See if I won't provide. See if I won't open the windows of heaven for you and flood you with blessings. God says, you're free. If you'll trust me, I'll provide. I'll open up the windows. Trust me. And what do we do? What do we do? We run and we say, no, God, I'm handcuffed. I can't do that. Others can do it. You've blessed them. They've got more, but I can't. He says, no, remember Christmas? And then let's look at the last one real quick. Help for others. Help for the hurting. And there's this, oh, you can read it if you'd love to. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is all about helping other people. It's an offering they're taking to Jerusalem. But I want us just to read a couple of verses. It says, just as the scriptures say about the one who trusts in him. So he's talking about trusting in God's freedom. Because he has sown extravagantly and given to the poor. His kindness and generous deeds will be, never be forgotten. Then he says, the generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals. Now, let me ask you a question. How is seed multiplied? If you've got seed in your hand and you want more seed, how do you do that? Now, I'm not a farmer, but I know this, okay? Took social studies or something, when I, science, I guess is what it would be, when I was in school. If I've got seed and I want more seed, what do I have to do? Right? I have to put it in the ground, don't I? I have to plant it. Now, is there a risk in planting it? Yes, because once I put it in the ground, I can't eat it. I can't turn it into bread. That's the challenge that we all face. God declares, over, you will find over and over. Listen, this is clearer than anything else in Scripture. There's nothing else in all of Scripture that God is, is more implicit about than about blessing you, your freedom. But I have to put it in the ground. I have to risk it not being true. That's the faith. That's the belief. I don't know why God did that other than the fact that he really wants us to learn to trust him. That, that, that's, that's, that's what he says. He says in verse 10, this generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant towards you. First, he supplies every need plus more. Then he magnifies the seed as you sow it so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. So this thing is multiplying. Why is it multiplying? You will be abundantly enriched in every way. 
as you give generously on every occasion. For when we take your gifts to those in need, it causes many to give thanks to God. In other words, our generosity does what? It inspires others to be generous. The priestly ministry you are providing through your offering not only supplies what is lacking for God's people, so it helps people, but it inspires an outpouring of praising and thanksgiving to God. Increase, happiness, abundance, blessing, help for the hurting. The scripture anyway says that you can walk in those. Remember his Christmas sermon? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to be hope for the poor, freedom for the brokenhearted, new eyes for the blind, and to preach to those of us who are imprisoned, you are, not might, not could, but you are set free. And I think I have the key to my handcuffs here. Because there's nothing like that feeling. Hopefully that feeling oh, of being free. <clears throat> That's my prayer for you. It's my prayer for me. It's a challenge to experience and it's my prayer that this Christmas we could walk in it in such a way that when the world looks at us they would be amazed at the freedom in which we're experiencing would you bow your head Father I thank you for the I thank you for your word I thank you for your willingness to even your humbleness to, to let us doubt, to test you. I pray that we will. And I pray that we will see that you are faithful. And may this Christmas truly be a Christmas of increase and happiness and abundance and blessing and help for the hurting. Ultimately, not for us, but for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give God a hand? I hope you've been encouraged. That's my heart's desire. It, it really is. I'm going to ask our ushers to come. I want to remind you, um, be sure and watch The Voice, Brooke, uh, progressed or move forward, all right? So she's in the top 10, so uh, keep her in prayer that God will use her. As, uh, as we move forward. Let me pray for our giving. God, I pray that we would be a generous people. I pray that our community would even question it. Why? We give to honor you, but we give because you've also promised your provision for us. Our generosity is a symbol to those around us that we really do believe that you do what you say. I pray for those who are struggling financially, God, and hurting. Give them a confidence and a peace and a courage. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give together and worship.